the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The WLCC Brandon. Faith Talk Tampa. Online at Let's Talk Or listen on TuneIn and Odyssey. The following is sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries and is pre recorded. Abraham grew up in Mesopotamia, specifically in a town called Ur of the Chaldeans, living out his life in ignorance of God. And that's when God revealed himself to Abraham as the God of glory, the one true God, in contrast to all the false deities and idols that Abraham had grown up worshiping. In the process of revealing himself to Abraham as the one true God, this glorious God, he called him to leave his homeland, leave his relatives, and to migrate to a land that he would come to show him, which we know to be the land of Canaan, which eventually became the land of Israel. is the accusation leveled by the Sanhedrin against Stephen, specifically blasphemy against the temple, which, I don't know, when I think about that, it seems rather silly. Personally, I'd be much more concerned if someone blasphemed God as opposed to the temple. But Stephen's accusers were reaching, and he is about to school them. Of course, we're all over here on Stephen's side, so we don't think he was a blasphemer. But let me stop there before I end up teaching today's verse-by-verse broadcast. That's why we have Pastor Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Pastor Steve is going to give us an in-depth breakdown of how Stephen defended himself against the charge of blaspheming the temple. Here is Pastor Steve. This was one of the accusations brought against Stephen, that he had spoken against the temple. So his defense is that God isn't to be limited to living in a human temple in the city of Jerusalem. And the proof is in the lives of Abraham, Joseph, and Moses. Therefore, he is not guilty of blaspheming God or his temple. And listen, what leads us to believe that this is precisely the point that Stephen is making here is that out of all of the information in scripture about these three men, Abraham, Joseph, and Moses, that Stephen could have pulled from because the scriptures are filled with information about them, he specifically, guided by the Spirit of God, chooses to emphasize their whereabouts, their location, where they were dwelling when God acted on their behalf. Let me show you what I mean. He is very clear to bring out their location. For example, in verse 2, it says, Hear me, brethren and fathers, the God of glory appeared to our father Abraham, note this, when he was in Mesopotamia, 
Why doesn't he just say he appeared to our father Abraham? No, he says when he was in Mesopotamia, the fertile crescent, before he lived in Haran. And then notice verse 9. The patriarchs, meaning the sons of Jacob, became jealous of Joseph and sold him into Egypt. He doesn't just say slavery. He says Egypt. He went down to Egypt. Yet God was with him. Oh, he wasn't in the land of Canaan. He wasn't in Israel. He was in Egypt, but God was with him. Notice again, verse 22. Now he's speaking about Moses. Moses was educated in all the learning of what? The Egyptians. Why? Because he was living in Egypt. He was a man of power in words and deeds in verse 30. After 40 years, this is still Moses, had passed. An angel appeared to him in the wilderness where? Of Mount Sinai. That's not in Israel. In the flaming of a burning thorn bush. When Moses saw it, he marveled at the sight, and as he approached to look more closely, there came the voice of the Lord, I am the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. Moses shook with fear and would not venture to look, but watch this, the Lord said to him, take off the sandals from your feet, for the place on which you are standing is what? Holy ground. It was holy ground, but it was not ground in Jerusalem. He was not in Israel. He was in the wilderness, the Midian desert wilderness. So in mentioning the various locations that these three Jewish characters were when God worked in their lives, Stephen is stressing the fact that God is not limited to dwelling in a temple in Jerusalem. That was a big deal to the Jewish people. But secondly, Stephen shows specifically from the lives of Joseph And Moses, that though both of these men were raised up by God to deliver the Jewish people, both of them were rejected and mistreated by the Jewish people they were sent to deliver. To which Stephen will eventually conclude and make the application that they, the Sanhedrin, have done exactly the same thing in rejecting Jesus. The one the Father sent to deliver them from their sin, but they've rejected him. But it's also in speaking about Moses where Stephen specifically defends himself against the charge of blaspheming Moses and the law. And he does this by speaking so highly of Moses and also speaking so highly of the giving of the law of God to him. And yet he points out that it was the Jewish people who refused to obey God's law. Therefore, far from blaspheming Moses and the law given to him, Stephen is honoring Moses. He's speaking highly of Moses. He's speaking highly of the law. He recognizes it. He calls it the living oracles of God. And then, having concluded the charges against him, Stephen concludes his defense by returning to the very question of the temple. And what he does He directly and bluntly now states what they should have already known, that God does not dwell in a mere building made by human hands. Notice what he says at the end of his speech, verses 48 through 50. However, the Most High does not dwell in houses made by human hands, as the prophet says, and then he quotes from Isaiah. Heaven is my throne, and the earth is the footstool of my feet. What kind of house will you build for me, says the Lord? Or what place is there for my repose? 
Was it not my hand which made all of these things? In other words, having already told them that in the lives of Abraham and Joseph and Moses, that all this reveals indirectly that God doesn't dwell in one location. Now he's telling them directly. If they didn't get it before, now they should get it. Scripture says that God himself says that he doesn't dwell in one location. So folks, this is Stephen's argument. This is his defense. This is his witness for Jesus Christ. It's all rolled up in one speech that will end in his brutal death. Now this morning, we want to begin to examine Stephen's speech. It's too long to deal, obviously, in one week. But we want to begin to examine Stephen's speech by studying what he told the Sanhedrin about Abraham. And that sets the tone for the entire speech. And it also reveals the way that the Holy Spirit was leading him to defend himself concerning the charge of blaspheming God and his temple. So as we've already seen from verse 1, Having been asked by the high priest who was in charge of the Sanhedrin, if these charges against him of blasphemy are true, Stephen now launches into his defense. The first thing he does, he reaches back to the very beginnings of Jewish history, and he tells the story of Abraham, the nation's founding father, and his call by God to migrate to the land of Canaan. Verses 2 and 3. He said, hear me, brethren and fathers, the God of glory appeared to our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia before he lived in Haran. And he said to him, leave your country and your relatives and come into the land that I will show you. Now, the first thing we should notice is how Stephen addresses the men of the Sanhedrin. He refers to them as brethren. What does that mean? It means that he's acknowledging he's one of them. They're one of him. He's a fellow Jew. He's an Israelite. In addition, he calls them fathers, showing his respect to them as the spiritual leaders of the nation. Then he begins his defense concerning the charge that he has spoken against God and his temple in Jerusalem by telling them something that, listen, all of these men knew historically, but they had failed to comprehend this principle, this truth, as a spiritual principle. He tells them that the God of glory appeared to our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia before he lived in Haran. Now, Stephen is being quite intentional by referring to the Lord as the God of glory. Because the God of glory is a reference to the glory of God. What is the glory of God? It is the sum total of all of God's attributes. When we speak of the glory of God, we are speaking of who God is, what he's like. The glory of God is the composite of all of his character qualities. And the reason Stephen uses this particular title of God, which, by the way, is used only one other time in the Bible, in Psalm 29, the reason he uses this particular expression, the God of glory, is because the man God revealed himself to in this instance was Abraham, who at the time... When God revealed himself, at the time he was ignorant of who God was. Why? Because at that time, Abraham was a pagan living in a pagan land. See, contrary to what many people might assume, Abraham was not always a believer in the one true God. He wasn't raised in a home that taught him that. Hadn't been exposed to that. He was raised in paganism, being a worshiper of idols and false deities. How do we know that? Because Joshua 
tells us this. Joshua 24, verse 2. Joshua said to all the people, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, From ancient times your fathers lived beyond the river, namely Terah, the father of Abraham, and the father of Nahor, and they served other gods. They lived in what's known as the Fertile Crescent, Mesopotamia, the other side of the Euphrates, and they worship false deities. Abraham grew up in Mesopotamia, specifically in a town called Ur of the Chaldeans, living out his life in ignorance of God. And that's when God revealed himself to Abraham as the God of glory, the one true God, in contrast to all the false deities and idols that Abraham had grown up worshiping. In the process of revealing himself to Abraham as the one true God, this glorious God, he called him to leave his homeland, leave his relatives, and to migrate to a land that he would come to show him, which we know to be the land of Canaan, which eventually became the land of Israel. Now, there are two things I want to point out to you from these verses. First of all, there are critics of the Bible who believe that Stephen made a huge mistake in saying that God called Abraham to relocate while he was living in Mesopotamia, rather than stating that this call took place later when Abraham was living in a city called Haran. In other words, the critics say that God called Abraham after he moved from Mesopotamia to Haran, not when he was living in Mesopotamia. And therefore, they say Stephen is historically incorrect. And the reason they say this is because when we look at Genesis chapter 11 and chapter 12, which is the Old Testament account of the story that Stephen is telling, it sounds like it's saying that God called Abraham after he left Mesopotamia and was living in Haran. Notice what we read in Genesis 11, starting at verse 31, going into chapter 12, verse 1. Terah took Abram his son, Terah is his father. He took Abram his son and Lot, the son of Haran. Haran, by the way, was not only Abraham's brother, the town of Haran is named after him. So he took Abram, his son, and Lot, the son of Haran, his grandson, and Sarai, his daughter-in-law, his son, Abram's wife. And they went out together from Ur of the Chaldeans, that would be Mesopotamia, in order to enter the land of Canaan. And they went as far as Haran and settled there. The days of Terah were 200 in five years, and Terah died in Haran. Now the Lord said to Abram, go forth from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house to the land which I will show you. Now the Bible makes it clear, as I said earlier, that the city that in Mesopotamia where Abraham originally lived was called Ur of the Chaldeans, which by the way, today is modern day southern Iraq. But we read that Abraham left Ur, and he settled for a time in a town called Haran, a town named after his brother. And it was here while living in this town called Haran that Genesis 12 says God called him to leave and go to the land of Canaan. So the question is, was Stephen wrong as some 
critics say. When Stephen said that God called Abraham while he was in Ur in Mesopotamia because Genesis 12 says that he called him when he was living in Haran. And the answer is no, Stephen was not wrong. He did not make a sincere but inaccurate historical statement. The Bible is absolutely true. Listen, we know that Stephen spoke the truth because according to Acts chapter 6, verse 5, Stephen was a man filled with the Holy Spirit, meaning he was under the Spirit of God's control. And in Acts 6.15, we read his face shone with the radiance of an angel, meaning that he glowed with the Shekinah glory of one who had been in God's presence. And according to Acts 7.55, Stephen was still filled with the Holy Spirit just prior to being stoned to death. So giving this whole speech, he's filled with the Holy Spirit. So it's obvious that what Stephen said about the timing of Abraham's call was under the guidance of the Spirit of God, the control of the Spirit of God. And the Spirit of God makes no mistakes. So how do we reconcile Stephen's account and the Genesis account? Well, actually, we reconcile it quite easily. It's not that hard. It happened just as Stephen said it happened. God initially called Abraham while he was living in Ur of the Chaldeans in Mesopotamia. That's when he first called him. And in response to this divine call, Abraham and his father Terah and his wife Sarah and his nephew Lot, they left Ur for the land of Canaan. But for some reason, that scripture does not explain, while en route to Canaan, they settled for a time in the city of Haran, where Abraham's father Terah died. And it was sometime after this, after Terah's death, while Abraham was still living in Haran, that God repeated his call to him to proceed to the land of Canaan. So Stephen is correct and Genesis is correct. Listen, there are no historical errors or discrepancies in the Bible. Now there may appear from our standpoint, to be discrepancies. But that's all they are. From our standpoint, God is a God of truth. And he does not speak error. And his word is true. And his word is totally consistent and in harmony. So when you don't understand something in the Bible, or it looks like the Bible is asserting something that is contradictory, it's important that you give God the benefit of the doubt, and you submit yourself and submit your mind to the authority of Scripture. Listen, you don't have to have all the answers. You don't have to have it all figured out. But you do need, like a child, to trust God and His Word at all times, even when you don't understand something. In due time, the Lord may give you understanding, if not in this lifetime, certainly in glory. So don't worry about it. Trust in the Lord. Now, the second thing I want to point out to you about God's call to Abraham is that according to Stephen, the God of glory, notice this, he appeared, Stephen said, to Abraham. Now, this is something we didn't know before. Why didn't we know this before? Because Genesis 12 only tells us that God spoke to Abraham, but Stephen says he appeared to him. And why is this important? Why am I even bringing this out? Why did Stephen state this? Because it's foundational to his argument that God isn't limited to dwelling in a temple in the land of Israel. You see, what Stephen wants the Sanhedrin to realize is that God, when he called Abraham, wasn't in the promised land. He wasn't in the land of Canaan. He wasn't in the land of Israel shouting across the desert, 
his call to Abraham, come over here. You're in Mesopotamia. I'm here. Come over here, Abraham. No, when the God of glory called Abraham, Stephen wants us to know he was right there where Abraham was. He appeared to him smack in the middle of a land of pagan idolatry. And that, folks, is very significant because the Jewish people of Stephen's day had a serious misconception about God and the temple that was at that time standing in the city of Jerusalem. See, God had said in the Old Testament, in ancient biblical times, that he would dwell in his temple and that he would put his name in his temple. This is why the temple has always been so important to the Jewish people, because It was in the temple where God manifested his presence on earth. And it was in the temple where God revealed his holy will and his holy character. This is why David could pray as he did in Psalm 27 verse 4. One thing I have asked from the Lord that I shall seek that I may dwell in the house of the Lord. That's the temple. All the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to meditate in his temple. But the Jewish people took this truth of God's presence in the temple to mean that that was the only place, only place that God dwelt on earth to the point where they believed that he was confined to the temple, almost imprisoned there, that his activities were limited to the temple. And that's Stephen's point in talking about Abraham's call to Mesopotamia because by stating that the God of glory appeared to Abraham in a pagan land, is to say that God is not restricted to one place on earth, but rather that he moves and he acts beyond the human building that has a set location. Therefore, Stephen's purpose in saying all of this is to answer the charge made against them that he has blasphemed God by speaking about how temporary and limited the temple in Jerusalem was. In other words, he's telling them, it's a bogus charge. This charge against me is false. And God's call of Abraham in a pagan land where there was no temple proves it. So how does all this apply to us? How is this possibly relevant to us today? Well, it may surprise you to know that this is quite relevant. Very applicable because while the temple is no longer in existence, there are still many people today who think that they can only worship God in a specific place a specific location, be it a shrine, a church, a sanctuary, a synagogue, a mosque, or in the great outdoors. But that's so wrong because God, the Bible says, is omnipresent, meaning that he's everywhere and therefore he can and he should be worshiped anywhere his people are, anywhere where you are, anywhere where I am. Listen, I remember on one of my earliest trips to Israel thinking how easy it would be to fall into the mistaken belief that somehow being in the land of the Bible made me closer to God and that my worship of him was more meaningful here in the Holy Land. In other words, I thought I could be more holy in the Holy Lands. That's not true at all. It's not true at all. And Jesus actually addressed this very issue in John chapter 4 during a conversation that he had with a Samaritan woman. Samaritans were a mixture of Jews and Gentiles, and they were really quite pagan, though they took a little bit of Judaism. They believed a little bit of the Bible, but not the whole Old Testament. Listen to what Jesus said in this conversation. John chapter 4, starting in verse 19. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. 
Our fathers worshipped in this mountain. And you people, by you people he means you Jewish people, say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, an hour is coming when neither in this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship, meaning you Samaritans, worship what you do not know. We worship, meaning we Jews, what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But an hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For such people the Father seeks to be as worshipers. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. Now let's just go back. I didn't read all this, but what led up to this is that Jesus spoke to this woman about her sordid marital past. He said, go tell your husband. And then he made it clear to her. He said, I know you've been married five times and the man you're now living with, he's not your husband. We are quickly running out of time on today's verse-by-verse broadcast. I'm sure many of us are familiar with the story of the woman at the well. We will pick that up again on our next broadcast, and Pastor Steve is going to give us an excellent in-depth look at that story, and he will remind us of how that fits in with Stephen's defense before the Sanhedrin. Say, if you are ever in the Clearwater, Florida area, please make it a point to visit Lakeside Community Chapel on a Sunday. All the folks there would love to have you worship with them. If you would like to have more information about Lakeside, please head over to lakesidechapel.com. That's lakesidechapel.com. And then I would like to invite you to join us for the next Verse by Verse when we will get a history lesson on the life of Abraham. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.